Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and as you might tell from the tone of my voice, I'm a little excited because today I'm going to be taking my first look at a game that just came out recently, and that is Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. Now I did mention this game very briefly in my last episode when my friend Dan and I were discussing Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Now I actually thought this game was going to be coming out a little bit later, not until June, but uh, there's a Castlevania fan group that I'm on in Facebook and they actually mentioned it was going to be coming out, well, on May 24th. So I thought it was going to be coming out for the Xbox One. I didn't see it on their store yet, but I did see it on the Nintendo Switch store, so I decided to go pick it up. Now, the reason I'm excited for this game is because longtime listeners to the show are aware of the fact that I love the Castlevania series. It is one of my favorite video game franchises. And before we take a look at Bloodstained, I'd like to talk a little bit about the background of this game and its its relationship to Castlevania. I mean, it's not directly related, but a lot of people see this upcoming Bloodstained Ritual of the Night game as a spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night. So we're just going to take a quick break for a quick announcement, and then we'll explain why. Welcome to Bone Thrower's Theater. Nah, it's not that kind of show. It's an RPG actual play podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm joined by our fun-loving cast. This is Aaron. Jeff here. Johnny is my name. And I'm Jeremy. And what we do is dive in and play various tabletop RPG systems and games, such as Mini 6, Fiasco, Inspectors, Monster of the Week, Fate, and more. But no matter the rule set or setting, some pretty intense storytelling hits the fan. So whether you like epic fantasy, adventure, comedy, sci-fi, horror, or just horrifically bad puns, we've got something to feast your imagination on. Listen to our full episodes and more at BoneThrowersTheater.com. And may the bones fall ever in your favor. Now, I actually thought this game was going to be coming out a little bit later, not until June, but uh, there's a Castlevania fan group that I'm on in Facebook, and they actually mentioned it was going to be coming out, well, on May 24th. So I thought it was going to be coming out for the Xbox One. I didn't see it on their store yet, but I did see it on the Nintendo Switch store, so I decided to go pick it up. Now, the reason I'm excited for this game is because longtime listeners to the show are aware of the fact that I love the Castlevania series. It is one of my favorite video game franchises. And before we take a look at Bloodstained, I'd like to talk a little bit about the background of this game and its, its relationship to Castlevania. I mean, it's not directly related, but a lot of people see this upcoming Bloodstained Ritual of the Night game as a spiritual successor to Symphony of the Night. So, to understand why a lot of fans of the Castlevania game are looking forward to this Bloodstained series, 
even though it's not a Castlevania series, we got to go back to the uh, Koji, I forgot his last name, but he's usually credited as Iga. And he was one of the designers for Symphony of the Night. And it's, well, it's fair to say he helped popularize the Metvania or Castleroid style of gameplay. Now, he went on to produce a few other Castlevania games for Konami, but unfortunately, Konami doesn't really seem to be interested in pursuing much more with the Castlevania franchise anymore. Now, they did have the Lords of Shadow trilogy, and I've played a little bit of the first Lords of Shadow game. I haven't played the DS one, uh, Mirror of Fate, and I played a little bit of the demo for Lords of Shadow 2. And quite honestly, it seems like it tells a pretty good story in three games, because I have seen some of the uh, cutscenes on YouTube. And I would almost go so far as to say it tells a better story in three games than the entire mainline Castlevania series did. Now, I was a little let down by the ending of Lords of Shadow 2. I did not think it really wrapped things up very well. Because that the Lords of Shadow series, while it revolves around Dracula... Well, actually, it revolves around a character named Gabriel Belmont as he becomes Dracula. And they do a few interesting things with uh, some of the other characters in there. Simon Belmont, Trevor Belmont... Uh, and Trevor, who actually becomes Alucard. And one of the big things about this series is, well, Dracula wants to die. He wants to be released from this eternal existence. And, well, at the end of Lords of Shadow 2, it's, well, he pretty much just, well, Alucard asks him, you know, what does the future hold? And he's like, no one can say. And he breaks this mirror fragment he had, and he just kind of walks off. So, a very disappointing ending, but... The actual games themselves look like a lot of fun. Well, there's been a fan petition to Konami to create a game based on an event that is hinted upon in some of the Castlevania games, and that's something called the Demon Castle War. Now, what do we know about this event? It comes from uh, Area of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow. When you take the Castlevania series chronologically, these would be like the last two games in that series. And the see, one thing that they did with some of the games that was interesting is they started to move into a little bit more modern times. The game for the Genesis, Bloodlines, uh, that actually took place in the early 1900s. And then a game that came out a bit later... Portrait of Ruin took place during World War II, uh, 1944 to be precise. But Area of Sorrow, the next one that takes place chronologically, that doesn't take place until the year 2035. And in this game, we meet a new protagonist named Soma. And he is an exchange student living in Japan. He discovers that he is the reincarnation of Dracula. He is going to inherit the Dark Lord's powers. And one of the cool little mechanics they did in this game is uh, Soma has a power where he can steal the souls 
of enemies. So, let's say he kills a skeleton. Well, and if he steals the skeleton's soul, he can throw a bone. Or some enemies will give him stat boosts, or, you know, others just give a wide variety of, of attacks. So, it's a lot of fun playing around with the different uh, souls that you get. Uh, the system they call it is a tactical soul. So definitely recommend checking out Area of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow if you have the chance. Well, in this game, there's a bestiary where you, you know, and they did this in Symphony of the Night as well, where you can uh, look at the different enemies that you encounter after you've defeated them. And there'll usually be a couple of sentences, and there are some soldiers in there that are listed as having died in an event only known as the Demon Castle War. Now, during Area of Sorrow, Soma meets up with a man named Jay, who can't remember his name, and he doesn't really remember much of his past. We do learn, eventually, that Jay is actually Julius Belmont, and he defeated the first Dracula for good, in 1999. So, it's interesting to think, okay, what happened? What happened between World War II and 2035 in the, the Castlevania series? Well, fans wanted Konami to develop the mythology a little bit more. They wanted Konami to make a game based on the Demon Castle War, and so we could maybe get a chance to uh, play as Julius Belmont and find out how he actually defeated Dracula for good. But unfortunately, the petition fell on deaf, deaf ears, and Konami pretty much decided they weren't going to do anything else with the main Castlevania franchise. You do get to play as Julius a little bit, though, in Area of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow. In these, these games, there's a good ending and a bad ending. And in order to get the bad ending... Soma has to fail, so he succumbs to the power of darkness. And then that unlocks Julius mode, where you get to play as Julius in Area of Sorrow, or if you get, unlock Julius mode in Dawn of Sorrow, you not only get to play as Julius, but you also get to play as Alucard and Yoko Belnades. And this is also where it's interesting why a lot of fans wanted to see how the series played out or how the events between Portrait of Ruin and Area of Sorrow played out because we find out that there's other parties interested in Dracula and his resurrection. Alucard is working undercover as a part of a secret Japanese government agency and Yoko Belnades is actually a witch in service of the Catholic Church. Now, also in this game, you meet a man named Hammer, who works for the U.S. Army. And he basically becomes uh, Soma's shopkeeper in the game. So you can, you can visit his store, and he'll sell you weapons, items, and sometimes information as well. So you really wonder, okay, what happened that the Catholic Church, the U.S. government, the Japanese government... And various Dracula cults, why were they interested in Soma and the entity known as Castlevania? Well, after Konami pretty much decided they weren't going to make any more of those games, Castlevania fans uh, saw a light of hope 
as Iga started to return to the gamed industry. He started a Kickstarter campaign to fund a game called Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. And as Dan and I were mentioned in the Symphony of the Night episode, he's bringing back some of the original voice actors from the first game. And this game is going to star a woman named Miriam as the main character. And from what I've heard, the game is going to play in a very similar fashion to Symphony of the Night. So there's going to be a, you know, a lot of emphasis on exploration. And unfortunately, you're probably going to have to backtrack to other areas. But I don't know. That never really bothered me in Symphony of the Night, though. And not even in many of the uh, other games in that particular style of play. Well, to tide us over... Iga had also released this game, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon. So this one can be described more as a spiritual successor to Castlevania III, Dracula's Curse. Because like that game, as you traverse the stages, you encounter various allies. Now, Dracula's Curse is one of my favorite games for the NES, and also one of my favorite games of all time. I really had a lot of fun with that game. I liked the music in it a lot. I also enjoyed the graphic style. I thought the graphics were actually pretty good for the NES. And I really wish I would have had a chance to play the Japanese version. Because in the Japanese version of Dracula's Curse, they had an extra FX chip that, you know, there were a few little graphical differences. But also the sound is much better in the Japanese version of the game because, as as my memory serves me, uh, the FX chip allowed for an extra track of music, which allowed the the music soundtrack to sound a lot more fuller and, uh, you know, really brought it to life. But still, the, the music on the NES version was really good as well. Now, in Dracula's Curse, the problem with that one is while there's three different spirit helpers you can encounter, you can only have one at a time. And another complaint that some people had about it is Trevor Belmont, the hero, and his spirit helper shared the same life bar. So this could be tricky because two of the helpers, Grant and Sifa, who, if you've played Symphony of the Night, they do play and they do appear in that game as well. Well, zombie versions of them anyway. But those two characters took extra damage from enemy attacks. So the reason that could be challenging is, well, let's say you're playing as Grant, and you switch to Grant because his ability to move faster, jump higher, and climb walls makes it easier to get through a certain area. Well, if you take a couple too many hits with him, then that way when you switch back to Trevor, perhaps to fight a boss, you could find yourself in with a very, very little health left, which could make the fight a lot more challenging. But still, despite that little annoyance, still a very fun game. And from what I was reading about uh, Curse of the Moon, one of the things it does differently is while you do get to you do encounter different allies, you don't have to leave them behind. You can either well, you have the option to leave them behind, but you can actually gather a party of four different characters. You can switch between them, and each one has their own individual life meter. 
and each one also has his or her own strengths and weaknesses. So, I'm looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a really fun game. But enough talk for now. Let's fire up Bloodstained Curse of the Moon. So, I was kind of surprised that they... It looks like they haven't released it in the uh, for Xbox yet. I thought they would release it for Xbox and... Uh, PlayStation 4 right away, so I'm, in a way, I'm kind of surprised that they are releasing this on uh, the Nintendo Switch, but I do like how they are trying to do this in the whole 8-bit retro style, so let's jump right in and start the game, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon, no data, of course, because I just downloaded it. Okay, so we're probably going to get to do the style veteran or casual. So veteran is a retro style, uh, casual, easygoing, lives unlimited, and taking damage will not knock back the. Okay, this text is scrolling really slowly. The player. There is no penalty for selecting this style. Okay, so what the heck? Let's do casual. Maybe they'll also let you control your your uh, jumping because I know that's one of the things that people didn't like about Castlevania. You jumped, you couldn't control yourself. At least in a lot of the games. But, the intro text. There was once a man who had been given the moon's curse by demons. That man was Zangetsu. Wrapped in crimson, crimson garb with eyes like fire, he relentlessly pursued the demons who cursed him. As he journeyed from one pit of darkness to another, he would stop at nothing until he struck down every last demon in his path. One night, he sensed a looming presence of a great demon. He swore to eradicate all demons, no matter how much of a threat they posed. So instead of vampire hunters, we're demon hunters now. Hey, cool, we're moving up in the world. But anyways... Bathed in moonlight, he cried out as he drew his sword, which consumed the darkness from within, its wretched steel. Okay, I almost thought it said soul. On that night, either the demons or the moon itself would feel the wrath of his blade. That's, that's a pretty cool phrase. The wrath of his blade. Say that next time you're in your D&D session or fighting someone in a street fighting game. Feel the wrath of my blade! But anyways. Okay, so definitely 8-bit style here. It looks a lot like Castlevania 3, which is cool because that's one of my favorite games. Stage 1, Moonlight Temptation. Hey, we, we don't have a time limit. That's kind of cool. So we... Okay, so like sim like the Castlevania games, so we're going to be... Hey, there's a train in the background. Toot toot! So like the Castlevania games, looks like... Hey, there's a stair up there. So I'm guessing that probably somewhere in the future of the game, you get a character who can either jump really high or maybe turn into a bat or something, and you get to go up there. But anyways. So looks like in, like in the Castlevania game, you destroy poor innocent... Lanterns. Probably going to get some weapons later. Okay, so the... So yeah, we get hearts. And... So I... 
Oh, there we go. What the? Hey, that's kind of weird. Is that a weapon, or is that like... Maybe it's uh, something like a grappling hook. Kind of like from... Uh, Bion not Bionic Commando. Uh, my son's here listening, in case uh, you haven't heard. Um, oh, no. It's one of those... It's like a Castlevania game. The stairs are going to be your worst enemy. But... Uh, no, because I remember uh, in... What was it? Um, uh, uh, Bloodlines. Yeah, that was it. In Bloodlines, you... Uh, if you're playing as... Oh, what was his name? Grant? No, not Grant. Uh, Morris something. Quincy Morris. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who's supposed to be related to the Quincy guy from uh, their Dracula novel. Uh, you could use the whip to swing. So I wonder if you get like a... Oh, hey. Apparently I do get something similar to Holy Water. But it's just like a thing you throw at your feet. So I wonder if it's going to be as broken as the... Um, holy water from Castlevania, where I be chased by ghosts. So I wonder if it's going to be as broken as uh, the Castlevania holy water, where hey, can I get down there? No, apparently not. I can't. Yeah, I can't slide. So I'm assuming that since this is supposed to be in the spirit of the Metvania style of gameplay, I'm probably either my character I'm playing now is going to get the ability to slide, or I'm going to get a character that can turn into a wolf or something, or something that can get through there. But, yep, and, what's, oh, there's, oh, press up, okay. It seems I can use sub-weapons with the X button, yes, I figured that out. However, that would require weapon points. If I destroy lamps, perhaps I can find a magic potion to restore my weapon points. I also understand that different colored lamps contain various sub-weapons I can use. Even so, I remain devoted to the sword. That is poetry. I like swords too. I also am devoted to my sword. Actually, I have a couple swords, so only one is actually a real, like, sword sword in that I could probably really seriously hurt someone with it. So, I wonder why I can't use that little grapply hooky thingy that I did before. Okay, wait a second. Maybe I gotta switch. Okay, no, no. Okay, I thought maybe I had to switch weapons or something, because... Oh, there we go. There we go, so... Yep, so there we go. Uh... Okay, did I run out of uh, something that I can't use the other stuff anymore? Okay, I'm on a train now. Toot toot! So, so far, I do like the music. Definitely an old-style castle... Hey, Falling Chandeliers. This is a Castlevania-like game, isn't it? Okay, you can't fool me. Ha! You missed me, evil chandeliers. Okay. Like I said, my son's sitting here watching. No comments from the peanut gallery, please! That's what you are, my son. You are the peanut gallery right now, because... Well, you'll get a chance to play it when Dad's done playing it. Okay, so another one of those little openings, so... Apparently... You wonder if I'm gonna get... Yeah, because, uh... You do get to switch characters. Okay, so now I've got... That... Thingamadoohickey that... 
like a card or something. A card. Throwing cards. Kind of like uh, Ace from... Oh, what was that game? Oh, crap. I realized my uh, life is starting to get low. Okay, so we got something similar to the... Uh, yeah, Ace from Final Fantasy Type-0. But... Ah, I'm almost going to die. That would be a real embarrassment if I died in the first stage. But hey, we can see a castle in the background. So that's kind of cool. So yeah, that's curious. I'm wondering if, um, you know, who the Dracula-like figure is going to be in this game. So we'll probably find out eventually. Okay, it's not letting me go this way. Oh, there we go. Gotta go down the stairs. Yep. Okay, I did get a heart. Because, yeah, I'm thinking of, uh... Throwing cards. Or like, uh, Setzer from Final Fantasy VI. He throws cards, too. And there's, like, some little skele animated skeleton thingy in the back. Okay, so I can't go through... Looked like there was a door over there. Okay. So... So, so far... Definitely, uh, like I said, definitely reminds me of a Castlevania game. Okay, I got... Got another sub-weapon, which... Whoa! Something just attacked me from off-screen! It is a train golem! Yes, let's call it a train golem. It almost looks like a Mega Man boss. So... Oh, I see. I can... So it's throwing a part of itself at me. So I'm guessing that I can jump on it, and then... I can jump on it and then use it to hit him. Ha! Feel the wrath of my sword, foul demon! Yeah, it's like there's like a whip-like thing. Okay, so I can jump on this. Yep, I can jump on the thing that he's throwing at me. And... Okay, I just realized I died, but since I'm playing the wimp mode, and I have unlimited lives, I just kind of, uh, just kind of, uh, continue where I left off. So I see. So this is kind of interesting. So what this, uh, thingamadoohickey demon is doing is it's like throwing its arm at this pile of coal, which then ends up dragging a bunch of coal back, and then I can use that to jump up on him and jump up on his arm and, uh, Smack him in the face. So, definitely a lot more creative than some of the bosses in the uh, original Castlevania with... Yeah, I mean, the, the, at least the old school ones, most of those... Holy crap! It, like, went Super Saiyan on me. Okay. Yeah, just, like, let out this huge beam at me, and it's like... But, hey, I beat it. So that's kind of cool. You, you beat the stage, the guy draws his sword, twirls it around a little bit. Okay, so it looks like there's a soul in there. You know, that's kind of weird. The way this person that came out of this ball of light looks, it looks almost like if you've played the game Rampage, when your character, like, uh you know, loses all its life and reverts from monster back to a human. They're naked and they're covering themselves. So who do we got here? Thank you for saving me. It was the demon's power that you used to seal that beast. Or was it? Okay. Was it? I guess it was. 
You, you're a shard binder. That power can summon forth demons at will. I cannot allow that. Okay, this is Zangestu that's talking. Now this is someone who hasn't introduced herself. Wait, is it true that I am a shard bringer binder? However, I have sworn to be ever righteous in my command of this power. I refuse to be used for evil. Then show me proof of that determination in battle. Miriam has become an ally. Okay, yeah, Miriam, I think she was actually going to appear in the uh, the Bloodstained uh, ri Ritual of the Night. And, uh, yeah, as we were mentioning when we were talking about uh, Symphony of the Night, you uh, they were bringing back some of the original voice actors. So, what do we got here? New abilities, or new allies, it appears. I can use the LR buttons to switch places with them. No one is without strengths and weaknesses. Okay, yeah, we... Um, however, whenever I reach a crosswords, I'll take the shortest path without fail. If I come to a fork in the path and where I can't determine the shortcut, I'll follow the remains of fallen adventurers to lead me in the right direction. Each of my allies has their own stamina, which is good. Okay, so each type of sub-weapon that appears when destroying lamps can only be used by a certain person. So, okay, that's a lot like uh, Castlevania 3, where um, Sifa... Well, Grant and Trevor could both use the axe and the knife uh, and the stopwatch. Alucard could only use the stopwatch. Uh, Sifa could use the stopwatch, but also got her own spells as well. So do we have another sign here? Yep. Whip smash. Y button. Okay, she can slide. So let's switch to Miriam. Okay, yay, we slide! Okay, so there's a fallen adventurer. Okay, so this this is cool. It looks a lot like Castlevania 3, where we've got the... Uh, looks like we're going to get to choose multiple paths during the course of the adventure. So, not sure uh, if eventually you'll get the ability to backtrack. I'm assuming you do, because it looks like there were some places in the uh, train stage where you had to slide through, so we'll have to try to come back with Miriam. Yeah, maybe maybe they do like a new game plus, so... Yeah, this is nice. Now with uh, Miriam here, she's got a longer range with that whip, so that's cool. So, let's see, can we jump? I don't know, let's see. Nope, we can't control, at least with Miriam, we can't control uh, directions. Let's see if uh, Zangestu can. Nope, he can't. So, I mean, who knows, They'll if they are going to really follow the influence of uh, Castlevania 3, then probably they're going to introduce someone like Grant who's going to be really fast and he's going to be able to change the direction he jumps. So I got something that looks kind of like a throwing knife. A staple of the Castlevania series. It's so nice that these skeletons are here to point me in the right way. What if I don't want to go that way? Let's see what's down here. Who knows? Yes, maybe we do have optional goodies. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, whoops. Switch to a different sub-weapon. So it seems that each character so far has some sort of attack that goes diagonal and up, which is actually pretty cool because one of the things that I know a lot of people didn't really like about uh, the three Castlevania games for the, the Nintendo, as well as some of the other later ones, part of the problem you had there is that you only could whip left or right, and then... You know, they try to improve upon that in later games like Super Castlevania 4. You could wiggle around with the whip and whoop. And of course, it wouldn't be a successor to Castlevania if there weren't things flying in patterns that would knock you into a pit. Yes, that's true. We don't get knocked back, so that's in, in easy mode. Or wimp mode. Ooh, a sickle. Ooh, cool. I can throw... I, yes, I can throw... Oops. <laughs> I just fell off. Uh, that was a stupid jump on my part. So wait a second. Does does Miriam jump faster than... Uh, Zang... Oh, wait. Oh, I can't switch to Zangastu. Or uh, Miriam. So I w apparently you only... Uh, wonder if you get to choose... Or if you get to switch back to any fallen allies after a stage is done, or... Maybe it'll be like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, where you have to find and rescue your fallen, your captured comrades. Okay, so I got something that surrounds me in fire. Does it make me invincible? Yes, I got some kind of aura, so... I wonder if that makes me invincible. Let's find out. Okay, there's some fishmen, probably? Because, you know, it can't be a castle... Wait a second, so I, I turned on this aura thing and I'm still getting hurt, so apparently it doesn't make me invincible. Maybe. Remember the good old days with instruction manuals where it would always tell you what everything did? Okay, now we've got our magic playing cards that we throw at the ground and they explode. So, my opinion of this game so far definitely has that old-school Castlevania feel, so it should be interesting how they implement it, whether, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be new games, like a game, maybe there will be, like, a, a new Game Plus mode, and, ah, stupid frog-like things. They're as annoying as those flea men from a lot of the other Castlevania games. Yeah, screw attack, they were doing a review on the original Castlevania, and they were like, MONKEYS! It's like, even Frankenstein has a monkey! Okay, so... We got that aura thing, which apparently doesn't make you invincible. So I wonder, I'm sure there's some use for it, maybe they'll tell us later on, or maybe there's some, like, hidden menu where you can get a little bit of information about the, uh, you know, about what each of the sub-weapons does. So I think we're gonna probably play to the end of this stage here, and then call it a game. Okay, I got my whippy-uppy thingy. You know, I was kind of hoping that would be, like, a grappling hook or something. You know, kind of like, as I was saying, with, uh, what do you call it, uh, bloodlines where you could swing. But apparently you can't do that in this game. 
Oh, and those, those skeletons of fallen adventurers are so nice pointing the way for me. Ah! This guy sucks! I'm getting pelted with arrows! Well, it didn't take too long for them to ramp up the difficulty, I see. Another one of those rocky go golem things, but hey, they gave me uh, one of my magic playing cards of doom, so I'll just use that to chuck it at the golem thingy-ma-doo-hickey from safety. Okay, got a... Of course, if it's going to be like a Castlevania game, we got to attack walls for no reason, because you never know, there might be something useful hidden there. Okay, now I have to slide, but I don't have Miriam with me anymore. Because I was dumb and careless and got her killed. At least one thing I will say is the pacing is definitely a lot faster than Castlevania games. Like, uh, a lot of the early 8-bit ones, it's like you would... Simon always looked like he threw out his back or something the way he was walking, so... You know, yeah, a lot more slower paced. He actually moves at a pretty good speed. Okay, now we're fighting something that looks like a... Another Mega Man boss. Is this inspired by Castlevania or Mega Man? Okay. So... What if you eventually you'd be able to steal your uh, enemy's powers like in Mega Man? That would be kind of cool. The only uh, Castlevania game that really did something like that were the uh, Area of Sorrow and Dawn of Sorrow, because that was one of the things that was fun about playing with Soma, is... Uh, one of the things that was fun about playing with Soma is... Oh, I died. Well, it started me over here, so... But anyways, as I was saying, um, one of the things that was fun about playing as Soma is you, they had they called it the Tactical Soul System, where what would happen is you would, uh, with the Tactical Soul System, it was, sometimes when you killed an enemy, you claimed its soul, and that would give you various little abilities. So apparently they let you make it past the first stage for free. So now I gotta work for it. But hey, we've got Miriam now with her flying sickle of doom. Now too bad it's not like uh, Super Castlevania where you could... That's no fair, it like, comes right on top of me. Uh, too bad it's not like the Super Castlevania game though where... Could, uh, you could use your sub-weapons while kneeling. But I suppose they didn't want to uh, rip off Castlevania too much. I mean, you know, I'm, I can understand how this is supposed to be the spiritual successor to the game, but I'm sure Konami, of course, is going to be very protective of that, uh, that trademark. You know, and I can't blame them because, you know, it's probably their most well-known and uh, most beloved franchises. 
mean, I would even go so far as to say, uh, more beloved than, like, Contra. Okay, I just realized, you know, Miriam can slide, so maybe if I slid, that would let me get out of the way of this giant turtle thingy of Doom faster. Okay, we're gonna switch. So yeah, my whippy upper thingy, that's definitely gonna be a lot more helpful here than my, uh, plain card of Doom. Okay, one thing that does kind of suck is you still have to share the, uh, special weapons. Okay, is it gonna come- Ow! Ah, it came back. See, I saw it fly into the background, and then, of course, it flew and got a hit on me. But that's okay. It's dead. I'm not. So do we meet a new friend here? this that would that I would be defeated by a demon I have been thoroughly humiliated I am Alfred an alchemist alchemist you use demons to fulfill your worldly desires Jeesh, the Zangetsu guy he thinks demon he thinks people use demons for everything what is he one of those televangelists during the satanic panic every achievement requires a fair exchange even using demons is something necessary. You have your own goals correct. My power may be of use to even you. You know, and it's interesting. They were talking about that in uh, Full Metal Alchemist. You may remember a few episodes back when my friend Chad and I did a review of that, of the live-action version of that movie. And again, they were talking about how everything in alchemy was based on an exchange. Your existence is unsettling to me, but your skills are not without value. I'll leave your head where it is for now. Well, gee, that's a way to make an impression on someone. You know, you go up to someone, you're just talking to someone you meet out of the blue, and like, hey, you know, it seems you've got some useful skills, so maybe I can use you. I will let you keep your head. Alfred has become an ally. So, I'm curious how they're going to implement... Uh, these characters in Bloodstained, uh, Ritual of the Night. Because um, I know that Robert Belgrade, who voiced Alucard in the original Symphony of the Night, is going to be back. So with that deep, husky voice of his, I could easily see him playing uh, either this Alfred guy or this Zangestu guy. Though, uh, I know this Zangestu guy definitely doesn't seem like the kind of person that uh, takes any crap from anyone, but... I think we're going to call this to a close. So far, I do like the game overall. Uh, definitely has a Castlevania feel to it. Uh, it does have me looking forward to uh, Ritual of the Night, so hopefully that game uh, lives up to the expectations we have about it. So, well, we're going to end this episode then. And if you're listening to the audio, uh, if you want to check out the video, go to POI Game Studios. Uh, go to Point of Insanity Game Studios YouTube channel. And if you're watching this on YouTube and you want to download the audio, go to poigamestudio.podbean.com. So with that said, I'd like to thank you all for tuning in. Have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are, and happy gaming. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. 
visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at poigamestudio. Do you do a podcast about Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games, video games, or other topics of geek interest? Would you like to cross-promote your podcast on geekery in general? Then drop us a line on our Facebook page at POI Game Studio or POI Network, or contact us through our website at POIGamestudio.com, and we'll set something up.